Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Believe in Navy Football podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Believe in Navy Football podcast. This is actually our last podcast of the season because the Navy football season is over and it ended in glorious fashion for Navy fans. A victory over Army. Hooray, hurrah, hallelujah. Navy defeats Army 17-13 at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Quarterback Ty Lavatai did a terrific job directing the offense, scored a couple touchdowns. Inside linebacker Diego Fago spearheaded an outstanding defensive effort to shut down the Black Knights. Uh, Fago also made a critical play on a fake punt that wasn't supposed to be a fake punt. We'll get into that as we break down the game. But I'm um, joined by, as always, by my co-hosts, former Navy football greats, Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds. And I will ask both of you to provide your overall analysis before we get into some more specific points. But Eric and both Eric and Keenan were in the house. They were at MetLife Stadium in person to see the action. Eric, being the bourgeois that he is, was up there in the suites eating and drinking and living the good life. Keenan was down in the trenches on the field, watching from the sideline. You know, I'm only kidding with you, Eric. Well, I think that's incorrect, Bill. I think I saw a picture of Keenan up in the suite with, uh, you know, Coach Neamont's wife and Coach Jasper's wife. Is that correct, Keenan? I kind of roamed around. You know, I was I had my original seats. Uh, I was uh, in the USA, so I was in their box for a little bit. Then, uh, yeah, Bill, he's big time. He's USA, man. I'm just normal, you know, just trustees, just, you know, you know Keenan. Keenan's <laughs> He's four-time oh, MVP. I, I saw him coming off the field and presumed that nah, he down there in the cold I, I, and rain and watched the game from the sidelines. Oh, he's up in the comfy box. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I was down there. I was down there uh, during crunch time. You know, that that last stop I was on the sideline for. So that was great. Um, but uh, up until that point, I kind of roamed around in the stands. Uh, honestly, I had been standing up since like 10 o'clock that morning from like tailgating and whatnot. So I was not going to be on the sideline until it was like crunch time in the fourth quarter. And so that's ended up, that's how I, I set it up. Yeah. All right. I got nice you. Man. So I, uh, I thought it was great. I saw a bunch of people there, you know, a bunch of, you know, alumni. Joe Cardona was there. He actually brought uh, some uh, Patriot players there, uh, the, uh, the punter, um, fullback as well, uh, running back. So it was good to see a, you know, a bunch of old yeah, players yeah. there. And, you know, I went to the tailgates. Throughout, so it's a fun experience. If you've never been to the Army Navy game, um, you know, as listeners, I would highly, highly recommend it. You know, it's the number one game in college football tradition. That's what I believe. You know, there's Ohio State, Michigan, there's Auburn, Alabama, but 
the 20 year anniversary in New York City. Um, you know, it was just spectacular to be there. I got there Thursday, stayed with a bunch of friends, saw the sights, uh, you know, the World Trade Center, uh, saw, you know, the Christmas tree and everything else. So during New York, you know, being in New York City during the holidays was just amazing. And they capped it off with a, a Navy win, um, you know, it was, was absolutely superb. But, you know, to get back in the game, um, we were talking earlier before we got here, you know, this could have been a different story if, you know, Couple plays happened here, a couple there. Um, defense played lights out. Um, you know, Ty showed up, Ruash showed up, the defense showed up, special teams. I was actually got a, a message from um, the long snapper's father on LinkedIn. He's like, well, he's like, actually, he heard the check. The the people were on the right side. It was, it was Max Lodler's side. That was supposed to be the check that Diego was supposed to do. So it's so loud there. They, it's so loud. He thought he heard the check, but you know, it was not the check. It was just, you know, getting ready for the play call. And watching it again, Diego did a phenomenal job just catching the ball, one. That thing came up hot and high. Two, that Army defender make that play. Like, that's that's your job, right? It's, it's a, to go, I was reading an article. He was an offensive lineman. He never really touched the ball at all in high school, not in college. And the way he ran the ball, one, he broke through the tackle, and two, he tried to jump over the fender. That was awesome. Yeah, he hurtled the guy. You heard of the guy, yeah, that was great. So um overall the, the play that some of the play calls um you know were Coach Nehemiah and Coach Jasper, they were swinging for the fences, you know, with a reverse, double reverse. Um, but you know, some of those A backs, they made plays, they showed up. And I was excited to see the you know, some of those seniors guys show up and then see their motion on their face after the game. So it was great. Can you hear on the field? So I want to hear more about you being in the field and and you know, seeing that I was up in the nosebleed, so I can't really see that low. All right, well, Sukina, give us your overview. First of all, I was really proud of the guys. Uh, tough year. They've been battling it out. You know, we've obviously been pretty critical here and there this season, and they continue to fight. They continue to show up. And that's one of the, the messages the coach and I, I got to hop into the locker room for the beginning part of his his kind of victory speech, and that's like one of the things he talked about is the leadership of the seniors, being able to, to stay – uh, state of course, continue to fight throughout all the ups and downs, what people are saying, the drama, et cetera. So great way to cap it off. It's always great to see upset Army fans because they're so sensitive and it's hilarious um, how how whiny they get on Twitter. But uh, for me, I, I, I enjoyed, number one, the game plan on both sides of the ball. The opening drive was the most productive drive, really the only productive drive that Army had. After we adjusted to what they were doing, 75 of their, I think it was like, I don't know, 150 or 220, some some are, some not very good number came on that one drive. So almost 50% of their offense came on that one drive. But after that, the defense played phenomenal. They made plays when they counted. Um, we were just talking about Michael McMorris making that tackle on that fourth down play to, to stop a long run that who knows what would have happened if they, if they get closer. Um, offensively, I love the game plan. Um, talking to the staff before the game, I was down, I was, I was in the locker room like pregame and they were just saying, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to come after these guys. We're going to do different stuff. We're going to fake punts. So when I saw the fake punt, it was funny. Me and Ricky were talking about it. And I was like, you know, coach Nehemiah never, ever trots the punt team out right after we, it, it's, it's fourth down. He always, we always do the, the, the dummy snap count. And then he may take a delay or he may call timeout. Then he sends the punt team out. So we're watching the game. And I was telling him, I was like, hey, Ricky, this might be a good, a good spot for a fake. 
because Coach Nehemiah never runs the punt team out right away. And sure enough, here comes the fake. So I felt like a genius. I was like, yes, I called it. And then after the game, I'm on Twitter, and uh, I see that the, the fake wasn't even the plan. And I was like, that that was incredible. That was That was one of those plays that kind of summed up the game. Like, it was meant for us to win that game, just the way that that play – went down the way that uh, Diego reacted, catching the ball, stiff-arming a guy, hurtling a guy, because I thought he was going to get tackled in the backfield when he didn't cut it up and he tried to run outside. Um, but, Eric, your, your, your little tidbit about him not being an, uh, uh, a running back or any type of, like, real athlete <laughs> in high school uh, well, explains that. a lot that, that, as to why he players didn't, he didn't plays, cut man. it up. He but, hey, he play. got the first down. They won. Yeah. No, that was incredible. That was – that was incredible, and uh, like I said, I'm just – I'm really proud. I was excited uh, watching the game, and uh, I, I think, you know, with how young we are, all the injuries they've had, Coach Coach uh, Ingram was telling me pregame, he started like five tackles, five guards, and three centers. I mean, people are – they've rotated in and out. They got young guys coming. He's like, we're only losing a handful of guys. You know, it's going to be – they got a chance to be really good next year. I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, but – I think they got a chance to be really good, but as the theme has been all season, it's going to come down to the quarterback play, and they're going to have to get more consistent quarterback play throughout the season. They're going to have to settle on a guy, uh, whoever that is, and he's going to have to perform for them to be successful next season. All right. Well, we'll talk about the next season later in the pod, but let me just give the numbers. Uh, Army finished with 232 total yards of offense. Uh, the number is that uh, only 91 of that came after the first quarter. So the bulk of their yardage came in the first quarter, and they got stoned after that. They uh, had two field They scored the touchdown on the long run by Christian Anderson, and after that they had two field goals and did nothing, shut out in the second half. Rushing yardage, this is a team that came into the game leading the nation in rushing. They finished with 124 total rushing yards. Uh, talked to Coach Newberry, the defensive coordinator, today on a Zoom presser, and he said, bottom line, they couldn't knock us off the ball. We were more physical. And I know that the offensive coaches feel the same way, that that on the other side, they did knock Army off the ball. So Navy felt like the key on, was that they won the line of scrimmage. While, well, real quickly, I did do a breakdown uh, analysis of the – fake punt that was not supposed to be a fake punt and it, it was not called they did put a fake punt into the game plan it was there and it, uh, eric called it correctly the long snapper and his name is it's pronounced win it's he's a freshman ethan and his last name is spelled n-g-u-y-e-n but it's pronounced win and i talked to him poor little kid Never did he expect to be asked to come outside of the locker room after the game to have to talk to the media. <laughs> but uh, that's he not you admitted, want as a long snapper. You don't want to be. You don't want to be known. No one wants no, to know your name as a long snapper. Well, it, it, he admitted that he could not hear a thing. So he said, "I saw Diego's mouth moving, but I didn't know what he was saying." And he <laughs> just presumed that he was checking to the fake. But in actuality, what Eric said was correct. Diego was checking an overload that, that Army had six to one side and only three to the other, whatever it was. 
So he was checking an overload, which meant that he was checking the protection. So it was a mistake, and he did hit him in the eye hole. I mean, Diego, like, literally had to react like, whoa, ball. And and Keenan was correct because he, if he cut inside of his block, he had it easy, but he didn't even know he was running a fake, so he didn't have any game plan. He just started yep. running, and the way he ran it outside – he took himself right into the defender's yeah. arms. But yeah. he stiff-armed stiff that boy and then jumped over another. And so that was an amazing play. Um, so let's let's talk offense. First of all, Eric, if they told you they're going to come out in pistol formation and you, by the way, are not part of it, there ain't <laughs> no fullback. We're putting a slot back behind the quarterback because Carlinos Acey, started in pistol, whatever they call that. I don't know if that's a fullback. He was behind the quarterback. No fullback yeah. was part of that. How would that feel? Your Army-Navy game, uh, we're going with pistol formation. You ain't starting. Yeah, pistol, uh, I would be pissed. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, if, my, if I was not on the field the first play. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a good play call. Um, you know, people are talking about RPO, and, you know, we're going to move towards that. And time makes some good throws. You made some real good throws, and um, you know I, I'd be pissed. But the fullback really, like, he played well, but he wasn't really in the game that much. He like, how many yards did he have, Bill? Uh, hold on, I'll look. But he, when he came in, he did run hard. And when he came in, he ran well. hard. He got some, he got some first time conversions. He played well, um, right. but you know it wasn't a like we talked about earlier. Like you know the fullback taking over the game. You know I think Ty right. you know took over the game. Yeah, you know? Isaac Ruas had nine carries. Normally. The Navy fullbacks have more in the range of eighteen to twenty. Eighteen to twenty-five, yeah, yeah. And he finished, but, he finished with thirty-three yards, just shy of a four-yard average. But the fullback yeah. was not a big part of the game plan. They went with pistol. So uh, Keenan addressed that. And uh, one other thing that is notable: Xavier Arline was a big part of this game plan yep. because they used the pistol. He is more shifty. And they felt he fits the pistol pistol perfect. Then and he ran RPO type stuff, double option stuff in high school. So he was supposed to be a big part of the game plan. They were going to use him and Ty on the third play of the game. Xavier ran 10 yards, picked up a first down, but he pulled a hammy, and that was it for him. So Keenan, talk a little bit about pistol formation, why you think it worked, why you thought. The coaching staff decided to go with that. I, first of all, I'll say I really liked the game plan. I was kind of jealous because I was like, man, I wish we were – because we were pretty dedicated to it because there's been times where we've gotten in the gun and we might run it a series or two. And then we kind of, kind of, uh, you know, migrate back to what we normally do, more of our traditional offense. So I really liked that they were able to stay consistent getting in the gun. And then I also liked during – kind of the second half where they started incorporating more traditional triple option looks in addition to some of the pistol and gun stuff they were running. And that's where Isaac kind of uh, got more involved and got really the bulk of his carries. I think, I think uh, moving forward as an offense, I would like to see us kind of incorporate more of a new England Patriots style of game. Anybody that, you know, understands how the Patriots game plan and Eric can definitely attest to this. They don't really care they don't have a like a base offense it's really what works for that team that week so every week their offense looks different they you know that and i've never played for them but this is just people that i've talked to that i've played with uh in the nfl that have spent time in new england and just, that's just kind of well known throughout the league 
that's how McDaniels and Bill Belichick game plan teams. They, they look for specific things that they may have seen throughout the last few weeks of the, of the team's games. And then they incorporate those types of plays within the realm of their offense and their, their capabilities, their players. So that's why some weeks you see guys running back will have 150 yards rushing as in like when they play Buffalo, you know, they threw the ball three times because they, because of the win, because Buffalo's run defense was subpar. So it's kind of how they, they, they go about each week of game planning. So I think moving forward for Navy, that's the kind of game plan mentality. I think we should take, we get, we get what we're good at. You know, if we we're good at the gun stuff, we have people that can run the gun stuff. We have our traditional stuff that we're good at. And depending on the week, we implement what we need to do to win. And so for army, one of the things that's really tough is the inside dive against army. It's always been tough historically. Um, but you know, obviously when a full bag excels, we blow them out, but, it's, it's tough to run a triple option, traditional, you know, basic outside veer against a team like Army or Air Force because they see it all the time. So you have to give them a different look, but you can stay within what you know. So I like that they were able to give them a different look. I'm, I'm almost certain Army was not prepared for what, what they saw on Saturday. And that's part of the reason why we were so effective moving the ball. We had a couple of long drives and uh, we took care of the ball, had no turnovers. So, I mean, I, I really like the game plan. And I think moving forward, it, we really need to – I would love to see us kind of keep that same mentality of, you know, what's going to work this week for this team that we're playing, whether that be, you know, Houston or Memphis or Air Force, and just implement that particular scheme amongst the game plan. It doesn't have to take over the game plan, but it certainly can be a healthy mix, 35 40% of the plays. Eric, why don't you weigh in on that since you did play for Bill Belichick? Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, no, absolutely. Look at, you know, was it last week before their bye week, the gets the Bills. They threw the ball three times total. You know, it was weather. But, you know, Bill is super smart. The offensive coordinator and the whole staff is, you know, they're, they're brilliant in the football aspect. They they saw the weather. They knew it was going to happen. You know, even the punter, um, you know, Jake Bailey, if he can put the ball, it's, it's impossible in that conditions. So, well, Coach, you know, we always talk about, you know, Coach Jasper, how intelligent he is. And, you know, he's one of the, you know, top minds in the triple option offense, him and Coach Neamont. They probably had that in their back pocket all year, to be honest. You know, they weren't sharing that with anybody. And, you know, they saw that what happened in the Air Force game, how hard it was to move the ball. Because, you know, when you play against the same offense all the time, you get really good at both sides of the ball of one, either stopping them or just completely dominating it. And I'm, I'm assuming probably in practices – Diego and the whole defensive staff were, were teeing off these guys and, and coach the coach's offensive staff are like, what can we do to fix this? And, you know, they, they're probably throughout the whole season doing RPO or changing up the, the cadences or, or changing up, you know, nuances behind the offense to actually make this, you know, feasible and, you know, give them, give them credit. You know, that that's an amazing win and amazing, you know, to save their, you know, ultimately save their jobs. Right. You know, <laughs> they talk about the end of the season Navy was now, Two weeks ago, they were the first hardest schedule. Now it's the third hardest schedule, I believe. Um, so it's, you know, they played – they could have played two top four teams, Notre Dame and Cincinnati, if Notre Dame would have made it. Um, and then, you know, Houston's a phenomenal team, Memphis. So next year, one, we have an easier schedule. You know, Coach Neymar says he doesn't want to be one or three. He wants to be in the 40s or 60s range. You know, he doesn't want to compete like that. He wants to compete, but he doesn't want to compete like that. No one wants to. Georgia doesn't want to. Alabama doesn't want to do that. They want to have their, you know, their, their schedule. They also don't want to get their, like, people don't realize when you play teams that are very, very good every year, every week, your bodies get banged up. You're playing really good athletes. You're getting, you're getting hit hard. Kidding, you know, 
we play against a, a team like Towson. Okay, cool. You know, I'm going to get hit here and there, but I'm not getting banged up first Alabama, Notre Dame, yeah. Cincinnati. So you have the longevity of, you know, I think, you know, as a, as a football player mindset, longevity of, of a long season, plus, you know, longevity of a long season with, with the Navy. We also, the Navy, we, we, we do this thing. We go, we go to class, you know, yeah. we have, we have, we have formations <laughs> at seven o'clock in the morning. Guys in Cincinnati, they're probably taking 12 credits throughout the, 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 their, their semester during the football season. They're sleeping until whenever they want. They go to class whenever they want. They have phenomenal food. Phenomenal, all these different aspects that the Naval Academy, Air Force, and, and West Point don't have. So all, all these little small things, you know, they, they, they seem small, but as an athlete, it adds up. I can't get my nap in. I can't get my two-hour recovery rest in. Cincinnati are getting full massages, I bet, from, from masseuses. You know, we're not getting those. We have to pay for those outside. The nutrition, all these things just, like I said, again, they add up. And you know, with that the number one hard schedule, number three hard schedule, you know, I give credit to one, the you know, the coaching staff, but also the equipment managers, you know, the strength and conditioning, the mm-hmm. medical, everybody else, you know, give them credit for all the work they've done. Well, guys, it's funny that you would say that, Eric, because today I did an interview with former Navy football player, Jake Springer, who now plays for Mississippi. And he said to me, it's quite a change from Navy. Everything we do here is about football. It's pretty much like pro football. Yeah, that's what I would say. It's basically pro football. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, it makes a huge difference. Just like I'm thinking about my time, just hearing Eric talk about, you know, all the, the demands. I'm thinking about how my body changed when I left the academy after about a year and a half or two years in the NFL. When you are getting, I can get a massage two, three times a week. I'm eating the best food. You know, you're in a facility early in the morning when you're in the NFL, but I'm done at four, five, six o'clock. Like my whole life revolves around ball. I don't have any other stressors in my life other than playing football. Whereas at the academy, I got to make sure my uniform looks good. I got to, you know, I got a physics test right after noon meetings, you know, like I have to study it till midnight and then I go to sleep and wake up at 6 a.m. to do it all over again. So like it's, it's certainly a lot more that you have to worry about. But just to re, just kind of reiterate what Eric said, super proud of like all the staff, I mean, I knew Coach Coach Jasper, Coach Nehemiah, those guys going to have them ready to play. G, Fitz, all them, uh, Brian Miller, Coach Miller. Shoot, I mean, it's 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 it was just great to to be around them and and, and celebrate that victory. So real quickly with Ty and I thought Ty Lavatai grew up in big time in the Army Navy game and Keenan had said going in, got to have a good game, got to have a quarterback play well, and he did. He he rushed for sixty two yards and two touchdowns. He completed four of six passes for 82 yards, and all four passes were double-digit gains. Michael Cooper for 28 yards. Mikel Haywood, the freshman slotback that we love, who played more than he's ever played uh, in this game as far as slotback action. Uh, 24-yard reception. Mark Walker, 18-yard reception. And Chance Warren, 12-yard reception. All four passes, first downs, big plays. Ty delivered in the passing game, as we said he would have to. And the one run, uh, to me, would set the tone and told me Navy's come to play. Is after Army kind of shocked him with the big, long run to start off. And I know Chris Cervello, our producer, was sitting in the stands looking at his friend John Schofield and going, here we go. Oh, boy. Army, <laughs> they're legit. They're going to put it on us. Look at this. It only took four plays for them to score a touchdown. Navy came back with a Navy-type drive, grinded out, 
convert third downs, and then they get down in the red zone. Ty Laptai goes busting up the middle and is greeted by two Army defenders. I mean, he got smacked at the two-yard line. And how he got in, and I I don't know if this is legal, but fullback James Harris, who was his lead blocker. He pushed him. He reached back and pulled him. And then Banbury, the tackle, came in behind and pushed him. But what did you think was – did that play not tell you Navy is serious and they came to play? Yeah. Tyler, that whole, Tyler that whole, he ran through him and he looked like he was like, he looked kind of dazed afterwards, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely one of those hits that have you seeing stars, but you scored a touchdown. So it's, yeah. it's perfect. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, I love the whole drive. I mean, we, we kind of got backed up. We had to go, what, 82, 83 yards that drive. I love the entire drive. I mean, what an answer. You know, they score quick. You know, they're patting themselves on the back. Oh, here we go. We're about to blow Navy out. And then you go right down the field and you score like they did. Love it. I loved every minute of it. He had a big – I love the slant. He threw like a, a RPO kind of slant-looking route uh, to get a first down. I mean, we talked about, hey, we got to complete passes. He completed passes, he, and they all went for first downs. You know, he ran the ball well, took care of the ball. He played how he needed to play. And, you know, I thought – he had he did what he had to do, and so nothing but Phil, good was, things. Phil, was he the MVP of the game, Ty? You know, everybody has asked me that. It, there is no MVP when it's not held in Philadelphia. That's a Philadelphia Sports Writers Association award. So there's uh-huh. a Army-Navy MVP when the game's held in, in Philadelphia. It is not the case when the game is held elsewhere. There wasn't an MVP last year when it was held at Mikey Stadium either. Hmm. That, makes, that makes no sense. But I would imagine Diego would have been the MVP because of the big fake pun and the yeah. fact that he was in on the stop at the end. But uh, just so people know that Keenan called it right, that first touchdown drive by Navy was 11 plays, 83 yards, took six minutes off the clock. And then we should note that because Diego picked up the first down on the fake punt, that turned in to a 10-play 74-yard drive that took six minutes off the clock. That ended um, – I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, that's wrong. Navy's other touchdown drive that finished with Ty's second touchdown, that was 10 plays, 74 yards, took six minutes off the clock. But the drive in which Diego converted the, the fake field goal, that turned into a 15-play drive that took almost nine minutes off the clock and ended with the Bijan Nichols field goal – which turned out to be the clinching field goal because it forced Army to have to go score a touchdown instead of just kick a field goal. And the time is Navy finished with a plus 10 time of possession advantage. Eric? Hey, that's impressive. What, Nichols, hey, he's a good kicker, man. One thing I, I want to point out to you guys, and I want to hear what you guys think about this. At the time, I was pissed, but the false start was probably the, one of the better things to happen to us on that drive. To, oh, that, yeah. Field goal, because um, because me and Ricky, I'm sitting by Ricky, and we were kind of going back and forth about should he go for it, and Ricky was like he was all in for the for going for it. I was like, eh, I think I'm kicking a field goal, force Army to score. They haven't done anything this entire half, but all they got to do is get in field goal range. If you don't get it, and that that make, that means we have to go two minute to try to win the game, which we haven't really been that great at all year. So I'm curious what you think, Eric. Like. What were you thinking when they they trotted him out on fourth and four? Uh, I, to- I, I, I'm right there with you. I was talking to my my best friend from growing up, Kim from Ohio, Logan. 
we were talking the same thing. That yeah, I think I think you're 100 percent right. And then also before we got on, we were talking about you know that one play that could have switched up the whole you know game of you know the saving tackle. So yeah. you know, Bill called it out. You know he's like he's like if that, if that play did not happen, we would not have this conversation right now. So yeah, um, you know, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, you know, but but I mean that's the nature of those types of games, man. Like you, you're playing big big time rivalry games with a lot at stake. It always comes down to one or two guys making spectacular out-of-body-esque plays. I can think of times of that happening in my freshman year, Brandon making a huge play. We weren't really doing anything on offense that year. And then Barry Dabney comes up with the fumble at the end of the game. I mean, out-of-body type plays that change the course of the game, where if it goes the opposite direction, it's a completely different conversation, completely different, you know, history, legacy, all that. I mean, that's just the nature of the game that we play. I mean, you got to love it. I mean, what other thing can you do that it comes down to something so small? So, I mean, that's that's amazing to me. So, Bill, um, I was at a tailgate. My friend uh, Bobby Schmerman, his dad uh, was there. This is his 50th Army-Navy game in person. So how many how, how many games was, is this for you in person and also for you, Chris? Uh, I think I have – well, I've covered every Army-Navy game since 2001 as the beat writer, and I went as a backup writer back when Joe Gross – was the lead Navy writer for the Capitol. I probably went another five times. So I guess this is like 26 or something like that. Chris? Uh, it's my 23rd. Um, I also had the benefit of going uh, a handful of times when I was a kid, uh, you know, before I went to the Naval Academy. But this was uh, 23 for me. Wow. Right. But 50 is a heck of a number. Um, yeah, he's, but he's, I only missed, he's only missed three. And, uh, that, missed, that's amazing. Saw the ladder like three years ago, and he couldn't make the game. He was like so upset. So I gave him a call and talked to him. He's like, I, he's like, I you know what? I'm gonna have to do an article on that guy. Remind me of this next year, and I'll do an article on like that guy because that deserves to be highlighted. But this is the last thing I'll say. Uh, to me, this game was about sheer willpower and determination, and led by the seniors. And that's what Keenan said. You got to make plays. So there was one play where Army went play action on a boot. And the guy was going downfield. Great recovery. Michael McMorris, that's a senior. He was not going to give up that big play. He hustled his butt back and broke up the pass. Michael McMorris is the one which we've already referenced a couple times, but I'll explain it further. On the final drive, um, Jacoby Buchanan, who is Army's 260-pound fullback, it was a fourth-and-one play, and Navy star inside linebacker Diego Fago decided on his own to run blitz. He ran up the middle and tried to jump over the center. But in the meanwhile, the fullback snuck out the back door. The play was off to the left side of the line. He got through a hole in the line, and there was no one there because Diego was supposed to fill that gap, and he wasn't there. So Michael McMorris, a cornerback who's 165 pounds soaking wet, and he said in the postgame press conference, I know I ain't bringing this boy down up high. So he, <laughs> he, he dove for the legs and he lassoed him and held on for dear life until his teammates could rally and help get the guy down. But Buchanan had nothing but green grass between him and the I can imagine being him as a fullback. Oh. And, and knowing that he could have been the hero of the Army of the game and he got tackled by 125 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I just told me I'd be like I'd be like I just mean I mean the way you're mad for the game I'd be like what is going on yeah right, it's a, right. he's a big boy 
Right. But, I mean, it would have been a foot race. I don't know that he would have scored a touchdown, but damn sure it would have been, been the red been, zone. It would have been close. They were, everybody's coming out. There was no really an angle over right. top. Everybody was crashing. Now it's fourth and one. Everybody's right. coming you know, all out. Well, no question. Big time play. by But, but to me, that's what it was all about. Navy seniors drew a line in the sand and said, we are not losing today. And another play that I'll mention that was along those lines, Chance Warren on Philly special, the double reverse, as soon as he took the second pitch from Tiger Goslin, the Army had sniffed it out and they were bearing down. And he he was supposed to throw the ball back to quarterback Ty Lavatai, and he had no time to wait for Ty to come open, which – by the way, that play would have worked better with Xavier because he's quicker and would have got out into the pass, uh, uh, run the route faster because Ty ain't exactly Mr. Speedy. But either way, Chance had no time to set and throw the ball. He had to take off running. So he tucks it and he turns the corner. He gets around the Army defenders who had penetrated into the backfield. And now he's heading for the first down marker and waiting for him at the first down marker is Andre Carter, their superstar defensive end slash outside linebacker, who today was named an honorable mention Associated Press All-American, and Chance ran through his ass right <laughs> through him and gained an extra 12, 14 yards, put Navy on the goal line, and that's how Navy scored the second touchdown. Do you agree, Keenan? Was that ball out? I'm making a freaking play. You ain't bringing me down. Oh, no doubt. I mean, that – Kind of, again, the theme that we've been talking about all pod and really all season is at the end of the day, it come down to mano y mano, who going to make a play, you or him. And we saw collectively as a group uh, a bunch of seniors who said, we're going to make every single play that matters. And they did. And and that that's no – he he almost scored. I mean, that, there's no way he should have – he broke one in the backfield and then he ran through one right at the sticks and then he almost broke through one to score. I mean, that's just – I'm not getting stopped. and. You know, you can't scheme it. You can't coach it. I can't teach you how to be that way. It's just it's innate. And I think that's just a reflection of Navy football's culture. You know, I can only speak for their culture because I've been there and I've played under this under the the men that that lead them. And so I know that that is that is the culture that we are. That is true Navy football. That And that was on display last weekend. So great Navy win. Let's just real quick wrap up the pod by looking ahead. So, I mean. Anybody out there who listens to this podcast who thinks there's a change in the head coach happening, no. In fact, I had a couple guys sending me emails Sunday. I've been watching ESPN to see if Coach Neomot's fired. No, he's not getting fired. We've already discussed toughest schedule in the history of Navy football, uh, four and eight, and we know they could have easily won at least three, possibly four other games. There's a razor-thin margin here between a winning record in a bowl game and the record the Navy finished with four and eight. And believe me, nobody's happy. I can tell you right now, nobody is more determined to turn things around than Coach Niamatololo. But the, the only way Coach Niamatololo is not still here when the calendar turns to 2022 is if he decides to walk away for some reason. And not one thing he said in the last month has led me to believe that. All he's talked about and what – he's going to do to get things turned around. So there ain't going to be no coaching changes. There may be some other staff changes that happens. Some guys leave because they get a different job. Some who knows, I don't going to predict, but coach Niamatololo will be running this program moving forward. And 
you know, there's a lot of positives. As we mentioned, a boatload of sophomores and freshmen playing on both sides of the ball. Now you got to get those guys to their junior and sophomore seasons. Can't have them leave. And that's something coach Niamatololo actually spoke about on his press conference today was the, when they go home for Christmas, we got to make sure they come back. Um, you know, it's, it's tough at the Naval Academy, especially for those plebes been through a hard first semester um, so, the, yeah, ret retention is a crucial element because on paper, there's a boatload of really talented youngsters coming back. Navy at the end was playing largely with more sophomores and freshmen than juniors and seniors. So each of you guys, one at a time, tell me your thoughts on future of Navy football. What has to happen for no more losing seasons? Because no matter how you slice it, it's a losing season, four and eight. Nobody's happy. Next year, got to get back to winning seasons, bowl games, beating Air Force and Army. Uh, Keenan, you go first and then just hand it off to Eric. Yeah, I mean, I think I've probably touched on it a few times throughout this pod, but I, I, I would say the number one thing that has to happen is you have to use kind of the Army game as the model for what we play like. This is Navy football, not none of this other stuff that we've seen throughout the season, but use the Army game as a model for – how we want to build going forward. Like you said, Bill, retaining the young guys, not getting lost in the portal, not, you know, leaving. I know the academy's hard, but you do the hard stuff now, it pays off later. So that's my message to the youngsters because we all been there. Eric's been there. Chris has been there. They, we know how it is early on. Um, and then, like I've said multiple times, quarterback play is going to have to – somebody's going to have to take over. They're going to have to settle on a guy. A guy's going to have to grow up. He's going to have to turn into a, a certified dog, and he's going to have to dominate in every in every facet of the game, run, pass, and checks. That's really going to be the key. You got all the surrounding pieces, but as we know, in the triple option offense, if you ain't got somebody that can run it, it's really, really hard to be successful. So my key is continue to build off the Army game as an example of what to do, of what Navy football is, and then that guy behind the center, it's gonna have to. It's gonna have to step up and, and really take over the team. Eric, what do you think? I agree with you. You know, we need we need a, a quarterback that's. I'm gonna toot your horn, Keenan. Kind of like you, bud. <laughs> we need a quarterback like Keenan, like Malcolm. Um, Ricky can't make can't read, so I'm not gonna. I'm, not gonna uh, no, I'm one, just kidding, Ricky. Hey, we, we. I'd like to have another Ricky. That's fine with me. One game. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll switch it up a little bit. Um, you know, keeping the players right. So we've, you know, I think we're the youngest, like freshman sophomores play in the whole nation, right? We have a ton of ton of young guys, and when you when you when you play a bunch of young guys, one they get experience, you know, but they also get that, you know, that that thirst. They want to play more. They want to, you know, they want to be that star. They want to keep playing. They don't want to get that roll up to you know the next freshman sophomore coming in. So. The Naval Academy is tough, and the Naval Academy has, you know, once you graduate, it does teach you time management skills, how to push through you know, the rigors of life, right? Because, you know, life's not fair, and life's not easy. And, you know, some colleges, you know, they make it easy. When they graduate, they're, 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 they're you know, figuring out, why can't I get a good job? Why can't I do certain things? The Naval Academy does that. <clears throat> but nowadays, from Chris from the Naval Academy, it's even when I was in the Naval Academy. So I graduated in 09. I was kind of the first one with the, uh, you know, the iPhone, right? 
So I was, I, you know, I had a, the first hat when I was freshman, I had a flip phone and I, you know, 64 pictures, right? I get to hold my phone. Nowadays with a the freshman, they're so connected and intertwined with social media and FaceTime. And now they can actually see what their other friends are doing at other colleges, they're partying or going out and stuff. You know, it, it's harder, I think, for these kids to stay, you know, and then also with the NIL portal, you know, kids getting paid and kids getting sponsors and, and doing all these different things. So, you know, you know, I'm not sure what the Nail Academy or the football team is doing, but, you know, you got to treat these kids good. You know, you got to make sure that they're good food, you know, you know, do certain things, you know, help these kids out. Because if you don't, you know, they're not going to embrace the suck. And they're going to say, hey, I, you know, I go somewhere else. It's easier. You know, I can get paid. You know, there's a better life experience, you know. So, you know, for us, you know, the coaching staff, you know, has to do a good job. And the recruiting staff has to do a good job of, you know, keeping these players here. If they keep the players here, I do see a bright future. Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's a lot easier to leave the Naval Academy now than it ever has been before because of the portal. And, you know, you hear Diego Fago didn't even enter the portal and had multiple coaches contacting him about transferring. That's what cell phones and connectivity do. They can have a guy like Diego Fago who hasn't even entered the portal, and which, by the way, I'm pretty sure that's illegal to contact a player at another institution that has not entered the portal. But we'll just gloss over that. But that's the way it is these days. Uh, it's easier to leave. So, yes, the and I like what Eric said, embrace the suck. But you're right. I think there's a lot of things, and I know Coach Niamatololo feels this way, a lot more things that the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the Naval Academy, can do to make the experience better to help retain the football players. We could have a whole other podcast talking about the Naval Academy Prep School that's in Newport, Rhode Island, whereas the Army and Air Force Prep Schools are right where the academies are in West Point and Colorado Springs, which makes the kids at prep school feel a lot more connected to the program than when they're all the way hell up in cold ass Newport, Rhode Island. Can I piggyback on what Eric said um, just as a, as an older graduate, you know, there are people that may listen to this podcast, maybe not so much with this audience, but we certainly heard it on sing second that would say, well, if those guys don't want to stay, you know, who cares, you you know, let, let them leave. And I'll tell you what, as somebody that spent 20 years in the fleet, um, you want those guys to stay. You want those guys to stay, not just because um, it's great to have a winning football team, but when you're on a flight deck, when you're on a bridge, when you're a Marine, you want athletes and you really want Navy football players to be a part of our Navy. Um, and sometimes we lose that uh, in the pageantry of a football season or the pageantry of a big win in Army. And we tend to look at these guys just as college athletes, but these guys and gals are future warfighters and we need to keep them. So it's, it's about football, but it's also about, um, you know, the health of uh, our, our fleet in, in the future. So that's my, my little soapbox, but, but I think it's important for the listeners uh, to, to understand that. Well, I agree hundred percent. And I've said it a million times, you're playing big time football. You're in the American athletic conference with Cincinnati and Houston and central Florida. You're playing big time football. You play Notre Dame every year you better act big time. And I'm sorry to say, whoever's listening, there's a lot of times that the Naval Academy doesn't act big time when it comes to how they handle their football program. So um, last word, fellas, before we take it out, and I just want to say on the record right now, 
You guys have been fantastic. I have thoroughly enjoyed doing this podcast with you gentlemen. You're both fantastic. Great insight, great analysis. Two of the like greatest myself. football players in Navy history. To be doing a podcast with guys who really know what the hell they're talking about is tremendous. But I'll give you guys each the last word before we take it out. Um, Eric Keenan, kind of tell us your thoughts. Eric, you go first and then hand it off to Keenan. No, I, I appreciate uh, you know Chris for you know producing this and making sure everything's set up properly. You know, it's a lot of hard work behind the scenes operations. I completely understand that I own on our business called Paint Sure. I do a lot of operations and it's a lot of stuff, you know, behind the scenes that you know really don't get the credit that they deserve. So Chris, I really appreciate you doing and Bill, you've done an amazing job of connecting, you know, Ken and I and and keeping the conversations uh, you know, flowing the right direction. So and your insight and also you know, Scott Strasmeyer for, uh, you know, all his insight throughout the whole season as well. Um, and then Keenan, you know, <clears throat> I'm not a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, but I know it was last weekend and hopefully you watched a little bit of that and you've been amazing. You've been your insight of the play of Navy, but also the NFL and everything else you've done. And hopefully you, know, you progress in your career. And I'm, I can't wait for next season. Um, you know, hopefully uh, we have a better season. We have more things to talk about versus, uh, you know, losing. So, uh, you know, Best of luck to everybody uh, and happy happy holidays. No doubt, man. Everything Eric said, obviously on point. I know this has been an agreement podcast, but I mean, every we're just kind of going through what's real and what's true. And so this has been amazing. Thanks, Chris, Bill, for organizing this and producing every week. Super flexible, you know, working around everybody's schedule. That's been great. Scott, obviously promoting it on the on the uh, on the the list server or whatever. So this has been great. I've enjoyed it. Talking Navy football, do it all day. You know what I'm saying? Don't gotta, don't gotta try. Don't gotta, you know, study super hard. You know, just watching and analyzing, just thinking about uh, reminiscing on old times with Eric. And I mean, this has been great. And then obviously to have this podcast after an Army win or a win against Army is what I meant by that. But beating Army and then talking that just makes it even better. So it was a tough year, and obviously the expectations are gonna going to be high and remain high from Navy football because we've seen what we've been able to accomplish at our peak. So looking forward to next season. I can't wait to spring ball so we can start, start this thing back up. Maybe we do a spring, spring football uh, preview. Maybe we, we meet up for a couple of practices or scrimmages and then see and talk about what we think. I don't know. Who, who knows? We'll see. I'll see about dressing, you know, pulling a hamstring by the first snap if you want. So it's good. <laughs> well, we uh, just so our listeners know, yes, the, Podcast is going to continue. We've heard so much tremendous feedback from so many people. Um, Chris, Eric, and Keenan and I would like to thank New Day USA for their sponsorship. Admiral Tom Lynch and New Day USA, we appreciate your sponsorship. Um, and we will do a podcast maybe pre-spring to talk about spring ball and then post-spring to kind of update what happened during spring practice and any changes that occurred on the depth chart, et cetera. And then we'll be back with a whole Another year of podcasts next season in 2022. But thanks to everyone for listening to Believe in Navy football podcast all season. We've enjoyed doing it. Thanks, Eric Catani. Thanks, Keenan Reynolds. And thanks to our producer, Chris Cervello. Uh, Till next time, uh, appreciate you listening. If you're a fan of the Believe in Navy football podcast, be sure to check out Sing Second Sports wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Several times a week, special guest Bill Wagner, along with host John Schofield and Ward Carroll, help you stay up to date with the latest in Naval Academy sports news as they dive into the physical mission of the Naval Academy and look at varsity sports, club sports, and intramurals at the Naval Academy. So be sure to check out Sing Second Sports.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.